one of the reasons that McLaren was so successful in building their simulator over the years is they focused a huge amount in building trust in the data. It wasn't just about the accuracy of the data, and certainly in the early stages, it wasn't about having accurate data. It was having trustworthy data. So do I believe the output of these models? Do my people believe it such that they would use the insights that are given from those models in order to make decisions? Hi, and welcome to Helping You Perform. I'm your host, Paul Teasdale. Over a career working with high-performing teams from across the globe, including seven years working with Formula One team McLaren, I've learned a lot about what it takes to drive results. In this weekly podcast series, I'm going to be bringing you tips, tricks and insights from the world of Formula One that you can apply for your organisation for your own high performance. Enjoy. Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Helping You Perform, where I bring my tips, tricks and insights from the world of Formula One and help you to apply them to your own organisation to accelerate your performance. I hope you enjoyed the last episode, episode 18, where I talked about the importance of downtime and rest in helping you to remain at your best and helping you to perform in that space. In today's episode, I want to talk about a topic that I never even thought I would have the privilege of, of seeing in operation, never mind working so closely with, which is the simulator and simulation in the world of McLaren and in the world of Formula One and what that means in that world and in particular, what that means in terms of applying the principles and practices to get benefit for yourself and your organization. Now, if you ever get the opportunity to go to McLaren or even just look up some videos on YouTube, I'll see if I can put some links in the show notes here. But the simulator is an amazing piece of technology. It's been invested in over 20 plus years in terms of the capabilities and the technologies to allow McLaren to test real world scenarios in a virtual environment. And they've got that to such an extent now where if you're sitting in that simulator, it really feels like you're in a Formula One car. And once you started driving and, and immerse yourself in that world, you forget that you're actually in a simulator. You really feel as if you're out there on track. And that's because they built so much time and energy and effort into making it as realistic as possible for the right reasons. Now, the simulator wasn't always, and it didn't just transfer from being nothing one day to being this multi-million pound bit of technology that is completely accurate to real world environments or very accurate. It's actually been built up over the years and that's one of the elements of the learnings from the simulator that I'd like to encourage organizations to do for themselves. And how McLaren went about building this simulation capability was they started off with one part of the car. Now when you look in at your organization to try and simulate the whole organization or build a model around your whole, whole organization it's tremendously difficult. You're, no matter how simple your business is, it's horrendously complex. So what you've got to do is start somewhere that's going to give you the biggest bang for your buck. Now that might be in the case of uh, a Formula One, it might be in aerodynamics, for instance, where not only is the, the benefit of the knowledge that you build up in that environment um, really useful to you, 
but it's about the cost of testing in a non-virtual environment. So this is what starts to think about where do I prioritize my efforts for modeling my business? Where does it cost me the most to test these things out in real life? Now, if you think about Formula One car and aerodynamics, for instance, there's two key ways of testing in real life. You can either put a part on a car or it makes some changes to a, an actual car, drive it round, collect some data and understand what the impact of that has been. Or you can test in a wind tunnel. Now, a wind tunnel has some benefits because it's not on track. You're not having that track time, but it's hugely costly. It's massive cost in terms of energy and the time it takes to uh, to actually get into the wind tunnel and run those tests is really, really expensive in a lot of ways, not only for the energy, but also for the time and, and effort of all the people involved in making the practical changes to the car and then test it out and understand the data. So if you put that into a virtual environment, that means that you can test very quickly. So you're cutting down on that risk of time to knowledge and you can test relatively inexpensively, no matter how much a simulator has cost over the years, it's still cheaper than making those changes to the car or making those changes to the car and putting it in a wind tunnel. So it's about understanding those costs to your organization. If I make this cost, uh, make this change in my business, what will the costs be to me in terms of time, effort, risk to my organization and pick an area that is really beneficial to you and your organization to learn more about. So to give you an example of this, we one of my first jobs when I worked at McLaren, I'll often joke that I was uh, I moved from living in New Zealand right by the beach, uh, working in a brand new state of the art techno uh, state of the art building for a bank out there. It was beautiful right next to all the yachts. It was such an amazing environment. And I came back to work for McLaren to work in a windowless office in Woking and work on supermarket shelf stacking because that was the first major project I worked on on helping a large supermarket simulate some of their environments. Now, what, what has uh, Formula One racing got to do with supermarket shelf stacking? Well, it, it's about applying those principles of simulation. So we were able to simulate a part of the business that was costing them a lot of money, both in terms of the actual cost, labor cost of, um, of stacking shelves, but it was also costing them a lot of money to test things out. So if they wanted to try out something new, either a new range of products or a new setup in a store, you think about what that takes to actually make that change physically in one store and then look to scale it out amongst all their hundreds or thousands of stores, then that can be huge cost. It takes time, takes effort, it's risk. If you're running it in one environment and assuming the same results everywhere else, that's a risk. So what they, we decided to do was build a virtual model of a supermarket and make that try, you know, available to be uh, manipulated so that yes, you've got the same footprint, but what happens if I change the shelf layout? What happens if I uh, change the different product ranges that are on the shelf? Certain levers that you can push and pull in the real world. I want to simulate that in a virtual environment so that I can make some changes. And that has huge benefits, not only in terms of, you know, the knowledge that you get from it, but also the time it takes to test something out. And once you've built one model for one store, you can take that same principle and quite quickly scale that up. 
And that's one of the principles involved here is about firstly prioritizing where to invest in that business, but it doesn't have to be completely accurate in the first place. It just needs to be accurate enough to give you a view of the quanta of impact. You don't have to be exact in terms of, I need to know whether it's going to cost me 1.12 million or actually it's going to cost me or have a benefit of between a million, five million, ten million. As long as that helps you make a decision as to what you're doing, then that is helping you to make better decisions in your organization. So pick an area of your business that gives you huge benefits if you were to test out in a virtual environment. And the second part of that is it doesn't have to be completely complex. It doesn't have to be accurate um, and doesn't have to be using uh, sort of software and models that are hugely expensive. You can do this sort of stuff in Excel. You know, you can run some things with off the shelf technologies, uh, particularly if you're looking at a manufacturing operation or a workflow of some sort, even um, a sort of service industry, there are workflow um, softwares out there that will just have drag and drop boxes where you can actually just put your, this is my input, this is what happens, therefore my output is, is within these ranges. And those things can be bought off the shelf relatively inexpensively. And if you play around with those and get some expertise to help you prioritize and, and learn from those models, then you can get huge benefits to where to invest your time in the real world. And that's one of the biggest benefits that, that came from the simulator is you're able to prioritize where to actually test the physical things because they're the ones that take, take you most time and effort and money. So I don't want to try all the things that I've already run in the simulated world and they are saying they pro they'll never work. Why would I take my time and effort to try those in the real world where I know that I'm more likely to get a positive benefit from working in certain other areas? So it's about using that technology to prioritize where to invest. It's about taking some simple tools and, um, and technologies, the things that are out there, and just learning from them, running those tests. And it's, that is the element of um, the relatively inexpensive area of your business. And knowing how much to invest in your organization and your business is going to be relative to the actual operation that you have. If you're making decisions where you're talking, as in the supermarket case, you might have a billion pounds of labor being spent every year. It's worth spending a million, five million, ten million on understanding that better so that you can get benefits from it. Not saying that you have to spend that much, but you know that that's the it helps you to understand this is if I invest that much of um, my current operation and get X benefit, ten times benefit out then that's going to be worth investment in my space. However, if you've got a smaller scale operation, then using something simple, something off the shelf, something like Excel models and things like that, there's some amazing stuff you can do to just run some scenarios and, and, and run some tests to say, if I change this in the input, what's the likely impact on the output? The other element to it is, and I talked about this in one of the other uh, episodes as well, is one of the reasons that McLaren was so successful in building their simulator over the years is they focused a huge amount in building trust in the data. 
It wasn't just about the accuracy of the data, and certainly in the early stages, it wasn't about having accurate data. It was having trustworthy data. So do I believe the output of these models? Do my people believe it such that they would use the insights that are given from those models in order to make decisions? If what you're doing is you're building a model of simulation, you're testing it out and people go, yeah, yeah, I can see how that might work, but I don't really believe that's going to be the case. Therefore, I, I would just make the same decision that I would make all the time anyway. Well, you've, in, you've got no benefit from that. And you, more likely, you're going to get people not using the software, not using the approaches, not using the methodologies in future, because they don't trust that that will give them a better outcome. So have a real think about what's going to build trust in your data, in your um, outputs, not just what's going to build accuracy. And then the final bit is around iteration. It's about building, learning and iterating and getting better. So pick an area, find that priority area and go, right, now that I know that, where do I scale from here? Where do I learn? What do I do next? And that can be, we came across a great concept called the cube of scope. If you think of the scope that you've got in three dimensions, it's like which part of the car might be, I'd be interested in. Let's take the supermarket example. Which supermarket type am I interested in? Am I interested in the small ones, the local sort of supermarkets that are there, the, the medium-sized stores or the mega stores that I've got? Uh, am I interested in... Um, the frozen goods section or the dry goods section or the fresh goods section um, and am I first of all interested in just the labor or am I interested in the um, availability of products or whatever so I've got three dimensions and I can start to say right I'm going to pick the smallest uh, single dimension in each one of those uh, three areas in order to build something so that I'm building trust and accuracy in my uh, in my data and once I've got that trust I can say right what do I do now do I look to scale that up? Let's say I've picked dry goods in a medium-sized store um, for just my labor cost. is the only output that I'm interested in. So I've got those three areas. Well, what do I do now? Do I build out in terms of just dry goods for medium-sized stores, but I want to get more um, outputs understood? Or do I keep the outputs the same and I go, right, I'm still going to do dry goods because that's the biggest part of my business, for instance, or the easiest part of the business to learn from. Um, but I'm going to go from medium-sized stores and I'm going to scale that out to some of the smaller stores as well, or some of the larger stores. And I can pick which of those axes I want to scale out from. And that allows you to start testing and building out so that you can eventually get the learnings for your whole organization. And you build out, but you're finding that initial cube of scope that is right for you to learn from and learn from quickly. Because the quicker you learn, the quicker you get to use it and iterate from it, the more trust you're gonna build and the more accuracy you're eventually gonna be have, uh, having for your whole organization. So just some learnings, some ramblings in, in terms of what I've learned from the world of simulation. I, I love the, the technology that they have there, but I just love the principles that they've taken over the years in terms of being able to learn in a virtual environment and apply that to the real world. And you can do that too. So have a think about that for yourselves. What are the main priority areas in my organization? The things that cost me a lot to take real world learnings from 
and what can I do to test those out in a virtual environment? Now, it might be, you know, in, in, with an off-the-shelf technology, you might want to bring some people in to build a proof of concept if it's very bespoke to what you're doing. It might just be having a conversation, running a, um, a scenario, running a role play with your organization. You know, we, we make these, this change, talk us through what impacts we think in terms of the, the understanding within this organization. What do we think that's going to mean in terms of how it plays out in the real world? So pick that area, that priority area, build something, learn from it, and understand how you're then going to expand that out into other areas of your organization as well. As always with any of this, if you want to run any of your thoughts past me, you've got some ideas, you don't know where to start, you want to take um, more learnings from the world of simulation or learn how to apply them to your particular organization, please do get in touch. Uh, as always, there's that free uh, opportunity to have a free 30-minute conversation with me. Just go to the website at www.paulteasdale.co.uk and that's one of the first things that you'll see. You'll have a pop-up, you'll have, see the box there. Book some time in with me. I'd love to hear about how you think this can benefit you and your organization such that you can start to test things out, learn from them and apply some of the benefits to your organization that we've seen over the years in the world of Formula One. Please, as always, get in touch and I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Helping You Perform podcast. If you found value in this episode, please take a moment to like, share or review the podcast. You can reach out to me at any time, either through LinkedIn or through my website at www.paulteasdale.co.uk. I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode.